men and women on the journey. And, but we always say this, you know, we can't do the work for you, right? You have to do it yourself. And, uh, if you want to get in shape and you go to a gym, right. Uh, the trainer can't lift the weights for you. It'd be you, really nice if you could pay for that service. Yeah, <laughs> really. And then reap the results, right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you grow in your journey of faith. It's not a journey that we can take for you, but it's a journey that we can mm -hmm. guide you along. We can challenge you while you're going through it, but it's something that you must go through on your own, and we are here to help you along the way. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, <laughs> Dr. Douglas Pete. So good to be here with all of you today. We just want to encourage you in your journey, you know, do the work, do the work, do the work. You're not going to ever be disappointed when you work and grow, particularly in your faith. It just has dramatic impact on your life throughout the course of your entire life. And that's why we're doing this series based on the future is male and female. It's uh, helping men find what it means to be an authentic man and discover mm. the masculine soul within their heart. What does that really mean? And, and how did God wire you? And what, what do all these drives within you actually mean? And where do they come from? And women, how do you find your authentic self? And where do all these drives and these uh, things come from within you? What do they mean? And then ultimately, the more we understand the way God created us uh, as males and females, the way God uh, is designed us with these uh, drives, sometimes desires, then we can also understand how the taint of sin can kind of warp those. And so this is a series of discovering your authentic self as a man or a woman, and then also how Satan wants to use the best parts about you against you in your journey throughout life. So that's kind of what we're focusing on when we talk about the future is male and female. Well, and I, I think when we, when you kind of first proposed this idea and let me know it was coming up, I, I had some concerns that we might get a lot of negative feedback on, mm -hmm. you know, this, what seems like a revolutionary or, or a topic that people would would make a fit over, but really all you're speaking to is you're not trying to be contrarian or start a fight. You're just saying the Bible says this about what it is to be a man versus what the culture is telling us what it means to be a man. Mm -hmm. And this is what the Bible says about what it means to be a female mm -hmm. and what the culture says about being female. And people are really responding to it. I heard so many people come out of the sermons saying, oh my gosh, I just really enjoyed hearing these things spoken aloud because I've been thinking them, but then... You know, I just didn't have the words to put them into them. Same mm. thing with the last week's podcast. A lot of people really liked last week's podcast because yeah. you were you're speaking to something that I think a lot of us inherently know, but we're constantly told something opposite, and we're like, "Well, that doesn't sound right." Yeah, and uh, I, is it wrong to think these things? The feedback is always really interesting to me, and the most common comment that I have received, and I know this is anecdotal, but the feedback has predominantly been, "Man, I never hear people talk like this. I just there's nobody actually talking." like this yet what you're saying is so plain to see in everyday life uh males do better when we celebrate masculinity and what it brings to the table instead of denigrating it and trying to engineer it out of existence 
and, and females do better when we celebrate their unique quality as females. And, and instead of denigrating uh, the feminine, what we want to do is we want to encourage it and celebrate it because it's so powerful when it's brought into its fullness and its authenticity. And so instead of trying to convince women to act like and be like men, uh, which I believe is setting their sights way too low, they ought to set their sights about who God has called them to be. And so that's what this series is about. And I think that really resonates with people because nobody really addresses this directly. Well, and then last week we spent some time in Proverbs 2 reading about um, men and, and the path to discovering mm-hmm. our masculine soul. Yep. And it's good for men and or males and females when men challenge themselves to discover their authentic masculine soul. It, yes. it brings both up. It is not a just because men are discovering themselves that suddenly means that women have to lose quote unquote power if you're mm-hmm. into the Rousseauian idea and, and this this idea of changing, you know, power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um just because they're discovering that, in fact, it makes them better. It it, yes. it it puts them in a position where they can do the things that they're supposed to do and do them well, because that's how they are wired and how they are built. Mm-hmm. But what does it look like when a man is actually on this path, when a male actually adheres to this path and takes these things in Proverbs 2 that God calls us to be and and follows that path? What does mm-hmm. it look like when he embraces the maleness of his masculinity? Well, we started in Proverbs 2, and on Tuesdays, we love to do Bible study and kind of dig into the Word of God and see what it has to say. And so we're going to go to Proverbs 3, because I think it kind of answers that question. What does the path look like? And so in Proverbs chapter 3, he, he picks up right kind of where he left off in Proverbs chapter 2. And you know, this is wisdom literature, so it's written kind of poetically. It's got a, a certain rhythm to it. And okay. sometimes the rhythm doesn't make any sense to us because it's in English, but it was originally written in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, you know, the things rhymed. Yeah, the- th- there was a rhythm. There was, you know, kinds of things. So it's, it's, a, 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 it's wisdom literature written in a poetic form. But it, look at verses one through four. This is what he says. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So the first thing is, is that this is what a truly masculine man uh, looks like these are the signs. And the first sign that he says in verses one through four is that you become a winner in life. You win favor verse four and a good name in the sight of God and man. So you become a winner in life. You become a winner in your relationships. When you're a truly authentic masculine man, you are a winner in your career. You're a winner in your family, the things that you pursue, you, you become a winner in them. Now, it's not a winner in the way we define winner today in America, like, you know, oh, you got to be the best golfer or you're the best basketball player, football player, whatever. It's just, you know, you're going to become a winner in life in all of these areas, these goals, these things that you set out to do that are a reflection of your authentic self you're going to be victorious in those things. And in doing so, you're going to find joy and meaning in your life. Now, John Eldridge wrote a book called Wild at Heart, and in it, he talks about there are three things about the masculine soul. And one of them is that uh, every man has a battle 
he must win. So you have to fight a battle and you have to win. Uh, there's a psychologist out of, uh, was at the university of Toronto, uh, but now he's out on his own by the name of Jordan Peterson. And I- I'm not sure about his spiritual journey, but one thing he makes an observance is, is that all life is a sacrifice. And mm. the only choice we have to make to survive in this world is we get to choose our sacrifice. And so if you choose, uh, to fight that battle, and make a sacrifice in that battle. According to John Eldridge, you can win that battle. And the writer in Proverbs is saying, man, be a a masculine man, an authentic masculine man. You're going to be a winner. You're going to be victorious in this struggle that you go through. And so your drive, your ambition, uh, it's designed inside of you to go into life, fight this battle and win. So that's what the masculine soul is driven by deep within itself. And that is a desire to have victory in life. Uh, there's a desire for peace. There's a desire for prosperity and not just like a material prosperity, but a sense of fulfillment, a sense of meaning. So the, the first sign of a masculine man discovering his authentic self is that you start to become a winner and having victory in a lot of areas of your life. So basically when males start getting serious about this authenticity, it's really, it's the starting point where things really start to fall into place, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Where we see these wins in life and that winning might look different in different people's lives. You know, it may be career wise, it may be relationally, it may be whatever, but you start making progress and start having victory. Right. And that's what you're saying is when you're, when you really accept this and you start getting serious about being authentically who God calls you to be as a male, that's when these things really start falling into place. So what does that winning maybe look like for different men? Well, he goes on in verses uh, five through eight, and he says the following. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So what it does is it brings an overwhelming sense of purpose Mm. in your life. You know, it, it brings health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And it's when you trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So when a male attempts to live only for himself, his purpose derives from himself, his mission in life focuses on himself and his code of honor is built around his own perception of success or comfort or whatever, then he loses his authentic masculine soul. You see what he's saying is trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding. So a truly authentic masculine man understands the path to authentic masculinity doesn't lie within myself, it lies in living for something bigger than myself. It's something outside of myself. So authentic men discover themselves when they are actually committed to living for something bigger and outside of themselves. So when males become men is when they really discover their true calling or their true mission in life. And Mm -hmm. they can only really do that when they discover that they got to be living for something 
bigger, bigger. outside of themselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It can't just be for themselves. Yeah. You mean, you, we see this all the time in so many different stories. Yeah. Um, the things that we love to consume, you know, you see a, a football team yeah. who, who comes together and they're the underdogs and then they start winning. And, you, you know, we love a great underdog story yeah. with a team that comes together and, and moves forward. I mean, remember the Titans. It's like yeah. that whole thing is like the, 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 ideal version of what you're saying you know these men yeah. coming together for something and living bigger for than, something bigger, bigger than, than themselves, themselves right mm-hmm. or band of brothers yeah, you the know band the of phenomena brothers, yeah. where men fighting side by side in a noble effort in world war ii right yeah on the other hand i've seen in my industry where i used to work um out in the private sector it's like i've seen people who say oh we're doing this for charity and we're doing this for things but really it's not <laughs> we're it's doing this event for us to make a bunch of money and then we'll send a very small portion of proceeds to this thing and it's like yeah that's not what you're 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 saying one thing to try <laughs> to justify what you're doing but really yeah you're not living for something bigger. You're really living for yourself. So yeah. my question is this, how do we differentiate and make sure we're not self-rationalizing that mm. we're living for something outside of ourselves when we may actually just be doing it to feel better about our own <laughs> well, decisions? What's well, interesting, the illustration you used, you know, I mean, cause you, you worked in an industry that put on these big productions and stuff and right. uh, they generated a lot of income, traveled all over the country and, uh, but they were all done for the purpose of, so, so-called charity, right? Right. And so you got to see what was really going on and where all the dollars were going. And it's interesting that you bring that up because the very next verse nine, listen to what he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the Mm. first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So the first thing he says is it's about honor. And that is real men honor what they value. So when a man honors God with his wealth, he is making a sacrifice up front. However, what's really interesting is that that sacrifice doesn't bring him less. It brings him more. Mm. Notice what he says. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. He doesn't flip those and say, when your vats are overflowing and when your barns are full, then give some of your money, right? That's not the, that's not the order of sequence. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is the feeling of wealth is uh, the emotion of wealth is such a difficult thing because it's so fickle and it's like man i feel you feel wealthy when you have enough when you feel you have enough and so what's really interesting is that if you honor the lord with your wealth then you're you're always going to sense that your barns are overflowing and your vats are brimming with new wine there's always going to be new things great things and so the first thing you got to do to know you're not rationalizing stuff is honor god and you honor it through giving Uh, I know a lot of men over the years, I've been doing this full time, almost 35 years. And there's a lot of men who on the surface, they're like, yeah, you know, Hey, I'm pursuing God. I'm doing this. They go to church, they do this, and, and then the, they'll get heartburn over something. You never know what it is. And they get mad or they have a meltdown in their life or whatever may be the case. And you go back and you realize that they've been living their whole life without honoring God with their wealth. Mm. They never gave, they didn't practice generosity. And so it was easy to get angry at God. It was easy to get angry at the church. It's easy to get angry and bear grudges and believe things that aren't true. And so, uh, so the first step is that if you want to uncover your masculine heart, 
you have to honor God with your wealth and then practice discipline. Verse 11 says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. And so what you want to do is you want to be able to say, God, I need to apply myself uh, to discipline and to be disciplined. The, this is what's really interesting is no one can discipline you when you're a man, right? Only you can discipline yourself. And that is you must choose, right? You must choose not to resent the rebuke of the Lord in your life. And that is sometimes things go wrong. You make a bad decision and there's consequences to that. You can choose to resent it or you can choose to embrace it. Then in verses 13 through 20, he goes into a long teaching about the value of wisdom in life. He says, you know, when you find wisdom and gain wisdom, and he talks about how awesome it is, incredible it is, blah, 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 blah. And so the point being is masculine men uh, always seek out mentors. They seek out coaches and guides because they value wisdom. And then they employ discipline in order to gain more freedom. And, and Jocko Willink wrote a book about this called Extreme Ownership, where he talks about how you, the more you discipline yourself, the more free you become. Mm. And so a man who's discovering his authentic heart, uh, masculine heart, is interested in more discipline, not less, because he understands the freedom that it brings to his life. So I don't think, I mean, based on what you're talking about, it really doesn't seem like males can discover their masculine soul without honor or discipline. Like these right. are kind of the, the magic ingredients or the, the building blocks uh, for men to really discover what it means to be a man, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when a man begins to discover his masculine soul and he begins winning in life, what things will he experience in life? I mean, you, you say winning, what are we looking at exactly as far as, as things and signs that that might be? Well, I think that's a really great uh, question because what it does is it's like, well, I want to get on the right path. And that means I need to lean on the Lord. I put all of my trust in him. And so what that means is that then I want to go out and I want to honor God uh, with my wealth. I want to honor God with discipline in my own life. I want to seek out mentors and I want to seek out coaches and things like that. These are people that help me. And in a sense, that's what the salty pastor is about. Our goal is to help coach and facilitate men and women on the journey. And, but we always say this, you know, we can't do the work for you, right? You have to do it yourself. And uh, if you want to get in shape and you go to a gym, right? Uh, the trainer can't lift the weights for you. It'd be you, really nice if you could pay for that service. Yeah, <laughs> really. And then reap the results, right? But you can't, you can't reap the results. If the trainer lifts the weights for you, the trainer can say, this is the best way to do it. These are the, this is the best balance. This is, you know, how not to injure yourself and they can coach you and they can inspire you and they can bring discipline, you know, Hey, I'm here waiting for you. But in the end, you got to lift the weights and do the stretches and so forth. And then you reap the results. You're right. doing the work, you reap the results. And that's really the key here is that, is that when the man starts to discover his masculine authentic self in God, by trusting in him, living for something outside of himself, then he's going to have 
a, a winning victories in his life. These things are going to pile up and create momentum like a giant flywheel. A lot of people are not familiar with what a flywheel is, but, um, it was on, uh, the old tractors, the old machine, they would put this gigantic, uh, lead disc on the front of this, uh, thing and they'd hook it to the drive shaft and the drive shaft, you know, or the camshaft is this thing that lifts on, uh, generates the power whenever the piston fires and makes this thing spin in a circle. And so what would happen is on the real old tractors and stuff like that is that it would fire every third or, you know, I mean, every second or fourth stroke, depending upon a four stroke or two stroke engine, uh, it would fire every few times. Well, what happens is it would lose its momentum, right? Mm. So they mounted this gigantic lead disc on the front. And once that thing got spinning, it didn't matter if it misfired or not. It just kept going right. because it had so much weight behind it, the inertia, right? right? And so that's called a flywheel. And so what, what the point of that is, is that your life, when you're on the path of God and you're discovering your masculine soul, you, you have a flywheel effect, mm. a, a positive momentum so that good things are happening. Uh, even, you know, when you're having a bad day or it could be another, another version would be like a snowball. You know, we've, yeah. we've heard about that in uh, financial peace university. They talk about the debt snowball. You start making progress and it starts building and you start compounding it gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, and it's like, even if you do have little setbacks, you're already have so much momentum and inertia and, and energy moving forward that those little setbacks don't cause the same issue they would have if you were less. Yeah. You could take a, your journey. You could take a snowball and you could put, you know, make one in your hand and throw it at a tree and it's just going to go poof. Right. But if that snowball is at the top of the hill and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it's the size of a bus, when it hits that tree, it's going to take out the tree. Right. And so, yeah, that's a concept of, of what he's talking about here. So in verse 21, listen to what he says. And here's the practical things that happen from this momentum. Okay. Okay. First one, he says, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight preserve sound judgment and discretion, then, or they will be life for you and ornament to grace your neck. So then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. So this momentum of the flywheel or the snowball creates safety. Um, it creates better decisions in your life. You see, so that's one thing is that you just start making good decisions, mm. better decisions. Uh, that's, that's that wisdom that you get. Uh, there's a, a story I tell of a young man who got an internship at a fortune 100 company, you know, and he was going in, uh, each morning really early. And one morning he got on the elevator and guess who was in the elevator? It was the CEO. And he was like, Oh my gosh, this is my one chance. And so he just basically says, he goes, sir, I've just, you know, have great respect for you. I've been following you. He goes, how did you get to where you are today? Uh, what advice would you give me? And the guy, the CEO goes, well, make good decisions. And he goes, great. How do you make good decisions? And the CEO goes from experience. And so then the little chime and the elevator goes off bing and before the door opens he goes how do you get experience and the ceo is walking out of the elevator and he says making bad decisions <laughs> 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 and i always thought that was funny but it's so true is that we we learn 
more from our bad decisions than our good decisions often. Right. You know, we really do. That's how we learn as human beings. We tend to learn from our mistakes much more than we learn from our achievements. Mm. And so this is the beauty of the church, you see, is that it, the church is a place where people are given the freedom to make mistakes. And now there are some churches and there's some people who follow God who don't believe in that. You know, they, uh, they would say that they believe in the forgiveness, redemptive act of God, but they really don't. What they do is they're legalistic. And that is, it's like, well, you know, we have to hold these standards and when we violate it, you know, uh, we, we need to purge that. But what happens is that you lose the whole point and purpose of the church. It's similar to a guy who was working for, I believe it was Boeing and he made a decision for Boeing and he lost the company like $10 million, right? Huge, uh, bad decision. And so he goes into the vice president uh, of, I don't know if it was finance or operations. And he says to him, you know, Hey, I, I've come to submit my resignation for making this massive mistake. And the, the CEO turns to him and he says, well, I'm not going to accept your resignation. He goes, why? He goes, cause that we just bought $10 million of experience mm. and I don't want to lose that deal. And that guy then went out and he became one of the best leaders that Boeing had ever had because he learned from that mistake. And even though it was super expensive for the company, the COO at the time recognized the, that staying and going would be better for the company. And it was, and that's what he says here, you know, safety and good decision-making. He, he goes on to say another sign that you're going to see in your life when you start discovering your masculine soul is this, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I, you know, a lot of men, you know, they, they can't sleep unless they have a few drinks because, you know, even as they have all this pressure on them, right? This pressure to provide for their family, pressure to keep their boss and their their clients happy, pressure to live up to the expectations of extended family members, pressure, you know, and so they just feel all this pressure on their mm. lives. And he says, look, if you pursue your masculine self, your true authentic masculine self in God, you're going to start to sleep really well because you're not going to be motivated, motivated by fear anymore. And you're going to be set free from the anxiety and pressure that you feel in your life. I mean, that right there and alone, I think is a sweet deal for a man. Absolutely. <laughs> he goes on to say this, verse 25, have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. So when you pursue masculinity and your authentic self in God, what you're going to do is you're going to find the path protects you in a lot of ways. Uh, there's people, there's always tragedies in life right? It doesn't matter what happens. The best made plans always go afoul. And so if you start a company or a business or you get married, start a family, you know, you're going to be blessed for some years. There's going to be seven years of plenty. And then there might be seven years of famine, right. you see. But the thing about it is, is that by trust, following the path of the Lord, you're prepared for that. Mm. You see, one of the things is if you're honoring God with your wealth, right? One of the first things you're going to do is you're going to say, oh, that means I have to give it all to God. No, God says, if you honor me with your wealth, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to manage it well. You learn this in, 
in a financial financial peace, peace university. university. How do you get peace in this finance? Well, you have to have a budget. You have to live on it. And there's a basic principle that's very simple, but very few people follow. And that is spend less money than you make. It's a very hard principle for a lot of people <laughs> in America these days. Just spend less than you make. So the way I honor God is I give to him first fruits and then I am going to spend less than what I have. Guess what happens when tragedy hits? You're not you're not wiped out. You're not blown yeah. away about it because you have savings. You have uh, a way to be prepared for it. So that happens when you are following the path of Christ and discovering your authentic masculine soul. He, he then goes on to say, you're going to be a person. Who, it says, do not withhold good from those who, to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. So you become a dependable person, a rock for others. You can contribute when you can contribute. When you can't, you don't. It's just, it, it just gives you peace because you know, you know when to say yes, you know when to say no, and you don't fret about it or lose sleep over it because you're following the path of authentic masculinity. Uh, it says, do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason for they have done no, you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways for the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. So he says, what happens is you start to realize, man, I don't need to be a vengeful person. I, I'm not, I don't need to be a self-righteous person to make myself feel better about myself. I don't need to pursue all these things. Um, I don't need to attack other people. I don't need to play office politics. I don't need to go in and crush my opponent in that deal. You know, I can work for a win-win. And what happens is you realize, wow, um, that flywheel momentum gains, you know, more momentum, right. not less. So he says, and then and what's really interesting is he says, look, in the end, you have to understand a simple principle. Verse 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks the proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor. Fools get only shame. So what he's saying is that you can, you can pursue the path of uh, self-valuation. I'm going to value myself. I'm going to rationalize my decisions to get what I want out of life. And you might be happy some, you might be sad something, but in the end, what he's going to say is that that uh, rejecting God is a path of wickedness. And he goes, follow the path, discover who you're truly meant to be. And then you're going to walk in the fullness of all of these promises and all of these things. Why? Because God shows favor to the humble, the wise inherit honor, and he blesses the home of the righteous. Well, thanks for sharing so much with us, Pastor. I think this uh, kind of expounds upon the ideas that you were sharing with us last week from Proverbs 2 and and really um, showing us what happens when we start really looking to be these authentic males that we're called to be and not just what the culture tells us we should be or what we think we should be, um, but instead what God is calling us to be and, and what that can lead to when we really truly pursue that along this journey. So yep. we really appreciate it. And next week we're going to be talking about the ladies. So ladies, I know this is a lot of talk about guys right now, but it's good for you to know 
where they stand and what they should be doing. And then we'll be talking about you next. So that's going to be an exciting conversation as well. And then mm-hmm. um, we actually have a, a very special guest this weekend that's yes. going to be uh, preaching on stage, uh, Dr. Matt Proctor from Ozark Christian College. He's mm-hmm. going to be coming down and speaking on this subject as well. So we're, we're having him in. He's going to be yeah. taking the stage and it should be a very uh, amazing message yes, that he wants to share absolutely. with us. So uh, make sure you guys tune in for that. He won't be joining us on the podcast, but uh, we'll we'll do our best to hold down the we'll fort. We'll do our him. best. <laughs> We've done 180 something episodes without him. I think we'll be okay. So yes. thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. <laughs> Blessings. 